You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network as we're back for another week of Star Trek random rewatches as we're now pretty much just over a week away from uh, the season two premiere of Star Trek Discovery, which uh, we will not be covering every single episode of, but we'll still be here and at least kick it off with a premiere recap. And as we promised a couple of months ago, uh, we were going to do one randomly drawn episode from each of the five preceding Star Trek series. And after last week's Mirror Mirror, we're now on to Star Trek The Next Generation, my favorite Star Trek show, the one that I was introduced to as a child. Uh, I think your favorite Star Trek show, but we'll uh, we'll find out as we go through this. And if you listen to the end of last week's episode, uh, we did randomly draw season three, episode number 14... Uh, which is the 162nd episode of Next Generation, I believe, uh, which is a matter of perspective, uh, an episode that I did not remember, but the plot line sounded very intriguing last week. Uh, as you could hear Casper screaming in the background, he's very excited about it. Um, I had no recollection of this outside of maybe the first two opening scenes, so this will be fun to cover to get kind of our first take, or first take that we could remember on this. Uh, let's kick it all off. My name is Colin, and you're a dead man, Apgar! A dead man! My name is Jamie, and I didn't really think of a line, but I'm here. Can we pretty much say this episode is, I did not rape her, I did not. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, I didn't rape her. I did not. Uh, <laughs> this is an interesting episode. Uh, you know, it. I, I kind of had this fear that you know we'd cover all the star trek shows and it's randomly drawn we got really lucky with mirror mirror in the first one especially since that tied into almost all of star trek discovery uh next generation i'm like what if we just draw the worst next generation episode ever uh like an episode about dr crusher or something like that but we did get this one which i think is interesting it's very interesting i don't know if the execution completely works i don't know what did you think about this episode overall um i thought it was a good episode um I mean, it's funny because even though it's such a drawn-out thing, and really it's very repetitive, the whole episode, because you're just watching all these different scenarios of things. I won't spoil anything. Well, we will spoil it because we're recapping the episode, but go ahead. Sure, then I'll spoil everything. (laughs) Uh, I'll be the spoiler. Um, So, yeah, you know, you listen through all these different scenarios of things, and uh, it, it is interesting, but at the same time, there's part of it that doesn't really feel like a Star Trek episode because, I don't know, it's just like he's on trial type of thing. Well, I it, think that's it's, what it's I It's like, nothing though. to do with exploration or trying to really um, contact or know these uh, aliens. Yeah, but, I mean, we have so many Star Trek episodes like this. I like, I, I like these ones that are trial-based. Um, two of the best episodes Next Generation ever had. One was called The Drumhead. Uh, and the other one was um, oh, was an episode involving data that was very similar to this. And the, the name escapes me now, but uh, Measure of a Man. There, I actually just found it here. Uh, so the Measure of a Man with Data and the Drumhead, those those are two of the, I think, the best Next, genera- next Generation episodes ever. Quiet, Casper, go to bed. <laughs> um, but this one is kind of forgettable. It's interesting because I thought to myself, like, I know I've seen every episode of Next Generation ever. Most of them multiple times, probably all of them multiple times. And the first two episodes, like, I recognize the opening scene, which is really weird. It's just complete throwaway scene. Uh, and then that's the one with Picard 
painting or whatever and data critiquing his work and then the second scene which uh really introduced it where Riker's coming back and as he comes back this space station explodes just after he's transported and he's seemingly kind of angry right before he's transported as they're communicating with him I remember those two scenes and I remember nothing else about this episode and maybe I, I do kind of get it confused because there are two very similar trial episodes that are much better um but the thing that's most interesting about this is it's really telling one very brief story about a few events uh, when Riker was on this away mission from the point of view of three separate people in this, um, or technically four, because you kind of get one theory. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I ever showed you this movie, but it's very similar to a, a movie, a Japanese movie from Akira Kurosawa. Do you know which one I'm talking about? No. Dreams? Rashomon. Rashomon? No, Kurosawa, who... <laughs> I'll just name them all until I get it right. <laughs> even people who who are like, oh, I don't like subtitle movies or oh, I don't like classic movies, they need to watch Kurosawa because, I mean, he is probably the biggest inspiration for most filmmakers out there. I think the movies that uh, were most influential, he made a movie called The Seven Samurai, which was remade as a Western into Magnificent Seven. Um, this has been remade many times. And uh, also, uh, George Lucas originally started Star Wars as a science fiction remake of Kurosawa's movie, The Hidden Fortress. And there's so many, like, almost shot-for-shot tributes that George Lucas included in all the Star Wars movies to Hidden Fortress. But Rashomon is probably the most interesting and intelligent Kurosawa movie, which is basically the story of this, uh, this incident where a couple is attacked. You know, the woman is raped and then they're killed. Uh, in the woods um, and the, it's kind of like this as a trial you know obviously from a couple hundred years ago but told from the point of view of each character so you have one told from the point of view of the accused the guy on trial one from the point of view of the survivor one from the point of view of a witness and then they even go into you know doing a seance for the, the dead guy to uh, see what his perspective is and it's basically the same 15-20 minutes of a story told from different perspectives and that's what this episode is, and that's what was kind of interesting for me about this. But there is something definitely off about the execution, and uh, it's going to be interesting on the end of this. I'll kind of give some uh, opinions that the people involved in the show had with this. But it's definitely not a bad episode. I think it's just it's it's more interesting than it, it's more interesting to talk about. I think than it is to watch. I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Mm, yeah, I mean that's what I was pretty much saying with that. I, I think it's. Uh... I don't think it's a terrible episode. I mean, I'm, uh, I would be up for watching it again. Um, and you did because you fell asleep in the last five minutes. <laughs> oh come on, I'm pregnant. I'm Which pregnant, is why I'm we're pregnant a little bit with late twins. On this. I, I fall asleep by eight o'clock every night. You know what's great it's is eight, it? It's, eight, it's literally eight o'clock right now. So if I fall asleep in the middle of this episode and you hear me snoring, just nudge me. Do you know what's great is that um, you will use that for anything. It doesn't matter what it is, even if even if being pregnant is no relation to it. Oh, sorry, pregnant with twins. Sorry, pregnant with twins. <laughs> That's your go-to. As you're yawning right now to try to prove your point. I'm um, not. It's so, just literally, I'm exhausted all the time. <laughs> Next Generation, this is my introduction to Star Trek. Um, I don't know if what was your introduction. We talked a little bit about what your memories were of the original series last week, but uh, memories of Next Generation. When, when were you introduced to the show? What are your first memories of it? Um, what's your opinion overall of the series? You know, honestly, I can't remember exactly which one was the first one. I want to say that it was this one, though. Um, and that might be partially just because it. Uh, my mom was such a big fan of Jean-Luc. Uh, I mean, I Patrick am too. Stewart? Yeah, he's he's hot, and my mom thought he was hot. It's still so weird. <laughs> yeah, my, my mom and I kind of have a very similar taste in guys, so it's funny. A lot of the guys she likes, I'm like, yeah, he's pretty hot. Um, 
but uh, with this uh, uh, Star Trek series, honestly, I probably think it's actually my favorite out of all of them. Mm-hmm. That's my thought, anyway. I remember when this show just debuted, and um, I was probably five or six years old. I think it was six when this show first came out, and uh, I didn't know anything about Star Trek up until this point. And we lived in the metropolis of La Salle, Manitoba, at this point, not Vita, where there was maybe fifteen people. Um, but we didn't have cable or anything in La Salle, so we only had like the local channels, and it was kind of fuzzy reception. But we picked up a channel from North Dakota. Uh, which uh, I think I talked about this last week, um, and that was like their Fox station. And Next Generation was original in the way that was a syndicated show where it, it would air on whatever stations would pick it up. And uh, this channel just happened to have Next Generation. And I remember my dad showing it to me, and this is, you know, in the first season, I don't think it was the very first episode, but within the first season or so, uh, he would show the show to me. And I just loved it. And I, I, I can still remember, it's funny, because you don't realize how young Patrick Stewart actually was when he made this show. I mean, in perspective of how old he is, you know, as a human being. <laughs> but uh, um, I always would talk about this one, the one with the old man, you know. <laughs> um, I thought that, that Jean-Luc Picard was supposed to be an old man. And I think his character, I've heard it could be anywhere from 40 to 60, but I think Patrick Stewart was, how old would he have been here? 37 when he started the show. So in this, the third season, he was 39 years old. He's two years older than I am when he made this show. Uh, that's crazy. But yeah, I thought this was the old man show because he was bald and gray. Uh, but I got into the movies after that, as I talked about last week. But this was my show, and it wasn't like I really kept watching Like My dad died when I was eight. I didn't keep watching it all the time. Um, but probably around season four or five, I got really into the show again and I started watching it every single week. And I can still remember, uh, especially season five, uh, watching it and even watching it in summer reruns after that. And, uh, you know, the cliffhanger that came up on the finale and just waiting all summer for it to come back. Uh, obviously all the way through the, the final episode of the show and then the movies. I mean, Next Generation is my all time favorite. Uh, I don't think any other shows come close to me. No. Uh, but um, favorite character on the show? I mean, it, this is actually tough because you can't really compare. I mean, I was just gonna say, like, I think it's hard because all the characters work together so well, and and yeah. n- not that um, you know, there's even for the other seasons that there really isn't that. But this one, it's just it's you. you sometimes for certain series or movies or whatever, you just completely hit the nail on the head with the casting, with the mm-hmm. chemistry between all the characters, and you really see that. Yeah, and there are bad episodes. Like I said, a Dr. Crusher episode, I'm not going to go out of my way to recap, uh, if it is randomly drawn, maybe. But um, it, maybe because there was a lack of development or some of the early ideas they had with Dr. Crusher were actually really interesting. But uh, still, I would take a Dr. Crusher episode over if you go back to the original series and you did a Chekhov episode, if they ever did that, which they didn't, or a, a, a Sulu episode, I couldn't have cared less. You go into Deep Space Nine, there are half the characters that if there's an episode just on them, I'm going to be like, eh, I might skip it tonight. I'll watch something else. Uh, And this whole cast is just perfect. Uh, And I always will say, you know, obviously Captain Picard's my favorite, but it's really tough after that. I'm like, I love Riker. I love Worf. I love Data. Everybody loves Data. Um, Especially Geordi. As a kid, I loved Geordi. Like, I wanted Geordi's Vitals. They sold it as a toy, and I really wanted that. 
you know, Troy's okay. Uh, the, the Crusher, as I'll just say that. Dr. Crusher is definitely better than Wesley Crusher. Uh, <laughs> which, funny story. When we're... Uh, funny story. Uh, uh, lots of rumors. Funny room. story, Mark. <laughs> but um, when we're watching this episode, you're like... There was the, one of the first scenes with... Um, Picard and Riker next to each other and you're like oh he's hot and I'm like which one and you're like Picard of course I'm like oh not Riker you go he's okay and I'm like not Jordy and you're like yeah he's alright and I'm like Data you're like he's not even human I'm like well the actor is and then I start running through them like Worf and you're like eh no and then I'm like uh, what about this guy and it was Chief O'Brien who's like the tele- the, the transporter uh, engineer who later would be a main character on DJ's Nine, and you're like, ugh, <laughs> he took offense to it. And then I'm like, Wesley Crusher, and you're like, I'd probably take him over the other guy with the curly hair, <laughs> O'Brien, who you really thought was a hideous human being. Uh, and then the oh, alien. I told, you, I, I told you, I said he must have a lot of talent and things going for him with his acting because he has <laughs> nothing going for, with him for his look. He is so good, and I'm excited that we're going to get to Deep Space Nine to talk about him because he's he was one of my favorite like unsung heroes on Next Generation. But then even the main alien character in this one, Apgar, you're like, I'd probably take this guy over O'Brien. <laughs> and you would not shut up about it. Every single chance, you're like, ugh, ugh, not like that guy, ugh. Uh, I'm really superficial. What can I say? But still, like this is one of the only shows I can think of, like early shows where you could have these background characters that were still interesting, even if they weren't part of the main cast. You know, O'Brien is uh, obviously the big one because he did go on to uh, do stuff in the um, the other shows. But it's fun to see that little characters pop up in a show like this. Uh, let's before we get into the episode, just this opening scene, which there are lots of opening scenes where then they'll transition to something else all the pre-title stuff but this was weird because the pre-title sequence itself was just picard painting and data comes by and it's actually kind of a funny scene because data comes up and he's looking at all these people in this art class and he's like interesting you know it reminds me of the whatever uh prepubescent phase of <laughs> leonardo da vinci and he's giving all these you know intelligent things oh and this one it's like uh the whatever um uh interpretation of blah blah and then he gets Solio, to Picard. Solio transformacism. Yeah, exactly. And then he just looks at Picard's and he goes, interesting. <laughs> he just says nothing else. And he goes, in what way? Yeah, uh, in what way, Data? Uh, and then he elaborates more. But that one interesting line was great. But that entire sequence is the pre-title sequence, which is just weird that they cut off and that has nothing to do with the episode. Uh, there is a deleted scene, though, where after Data walks away, Picard starts like splashing red paint all over it. It's like, hmm, I better listen to what the robot says. Uh, but then the actual setup for the episode is, um, you know, Riker, as I said, coming back, from, Riker and Jordy coming back from a away mission. After Jordy's transported, they're talking to Riker, are you ready? He goes, uh, he's just very short with them. And then all of a sudden he's like, beam me up now. And he beams aboard. And as soon as he beams aboard, or as he's getting beamed aboard, you see the space station he was on just completely explode. And then later in the episode, obviously, the um, the, the investigator of this, uh, or interrogator, what do they call it? Yeah, the investigator. Uh, he comes on and he's basically saying, I'm here to arrest Riker. Uh, and like, what for? It's like, oh, on suspicion of murder. So it's not even murder. It's like, well, we're going to take him. You're going to uh, turn him over to us. And we're going to try him for murder because he's responsible for this. He was the last one on the space station. And it does kind of set it up like he could be guilty. Uh, from there, they get this bit of a speech where the investigator is saying, like, on our planet, it's guilty until proven innocent. And then Picard's like, well, for us, it's innocent until proven guilty. Picard eventually negotiates and says, 
you know, what if instead of you taking him for a trial that I'm not sure I'm allowed to turn him over for, uh, we just do a little bit of an inquiry here. I'll be on this you know, jury or whatever. You will. And we'll invite uh, Troy on there because she's an empath, even though she's useless in this episode. And uh, we'll recreate this on our holodeck with everybody's depositions. And then we'll just play it out. And that's kind of the cool thing about this episode is it's it's a holodeck episode where it's just them watching reenactments based on people's memories. So Riker gives his account, and all of a sudden you have Riker, Picard, and then the other characters watching basically a holodeck play of Riker and this guy talking and their argument and the stuff with the wife. Now, the second part of this episode is that what you get throughout all the different stories is that Riker was on the space station. He's met by the wife of this scientist, and the wife... And him, there's the question of, did he rape her? Uh, and then after that, because of that, did he kill this guy? So we're not going to cover every single one of them here, but just your basic thoughts on how these stories played out differently between, the, I guess, the first plot of Riker and the wife and then how the murder played out. Well, I think that they did a good job with um, making them... Uh, stand out enough on their own that it wasn't confusing. Like even now, like even though I remember uh, watched this yesterday, I can actually still remember the accounts of every person. Which you know that's saying something for me to remember <laughs> something from a, a day later. But um, I think that they handled it well because it'd be very easy if they handled it the wrong way, where you just get confused with the stories. Because when you're listening mm-hmm. to four stories, I mean, you have to pay attention to all the details. It's kind of like when you have uh, an English exam and they're telling you to pay attention to all the little details in the story, mm-hmm. right? Um, sometimes things like that can trip you up, but they actually did handle it very well. Yeah, because it's the same account. The difference is so subtle here, and this is one of the things where I think the execution's off, um, and I'm not sure what was off with the execution. But Riker's story is he comes here and is like, well, it's just all business, and we have a place to stay. And then the wife's like, no, why don't you stay here? <laughs> and he's like, um, I don't want to impose. And she's like, please, please impose. <laughs> she's like, in his account, she's totally putting the moves on him, and he's very standoffish. And this obviously uh, leads into the, the scene where she's showing him his room. And in his account, he's basically saying, okay, thank you very much. Good night. And she's closing the door and dimming the lights. And the husband comes in as she's kind of getting a little bit too close to him. The husband thinks something's going on. And this starts a fight between him and Riker. But then we get to the wife's version of the story. She's saying, uh, oh, no, I got in there. And then Riker closed the door and he turned the lights and he started getting almost physical with me and shut up. Your husband's not here to save you, like that kind of stuff, which did not seem like Riker at all. But at the same time, Riker's version of the story, like I wrote in my notes, and this will be very important at the end of the episode. I wrote my notes during Riker's story. I'm like, Riker is never this innocent (laughs) because he would definitely, even if the husband was there, be flirting back a little bit or be like, oh, okay, you know, uh, or be a little bit more polite about it. He would not be so standoff and say, no, do not get inappropriate with me, lady. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, we also get the assistant telling the account of what the husband's story was that he relayed before he died, which, you know, involved him going out, you're a dead man, Afghar! <laughs> even more over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dilemma I had with this as I was watching it is, Picard insists that Troy be on this panel. Now, she's an empath, which means she's not psychic, but she can sense feelings, right? Yeah. Uh, which is the most useless power they've ever given anybody in Star Trek. 
and it's very rarely used properly. Uh, but when they're giving her accounts, I kept waiting for them to turn to her and say, what did you sense? Oh, I sense a little bit of deception during this questioning. You know, she's almost she's not like a lie detector, but she could sense you know, something being off in the person's feelings. And it's like two-thirds of the way through the episode before, you know, Riker's like, she's lying. And Troy's like, well, she's actually not really. And he's like, both of us can't be telling the truth. And she's like, well, you're both telling the truth from your point of view. I think that would have worked a lot better if there was more subtlety in their stories. Yeah, Riker's is like, she was sort of subtly flirting with me and coming on to me her version is he tried to grab me and stuff like well those things never happened and then the husband's account of what which came obviously through hearsay of i uh, he threatened death upon me like these stories are almost too different for her to just play that of well you're both telling the truth from your own point of view you know yeah it kind of was just a a cheap thing to throw in there. I think that was kind of useless. I mean, they had no other thing for her to do in this episode. <laughs> well, let's just throw Troy in there, which would have been even more fun if you brought the personal account in there because he's saying at times, like, you know this isn't me. And the idea behind Troy and Riker's relationship is that they they did date before the series started. Uh, and they didn't actually ever really have a relationship until the Insurrection movie, which was you know, years after the show started, like over 10 years after the show started. But it would have been great for, you know, him to be like, would I ever do anything like this? And she's like, well, you did like it rough. (laughs) Anything like that. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. She just seemed like they could have done more with her presence there. As this is all going on, so the the secondary story here, which again felt kind of off, is there's these weird radiation bursts that are causing some type of scarring in the ship or dents to form. And they can't quite figure out where this is coming from. And the whole purpose of Riker being on this away mission was that this scientist is trying to, uh, I guess, uncover a new source of energy. Mm -hmm. uh, These Krieger waves or whatever. Yep. And the tie-in of the episode eventually ends up being Picard's theory that he did discover these waves and that... Because they've recreated this on the holodeck, the holodeck is recreating these these radiation symptoms which again they try to explain away but just doesn't make any sense at all because they even bring up in the episode well the holodeck can't do anything like you could be on the holodeck and somebody shoots you and you don't actually feel the pain it's just i was just gonna say the same thing like like they just tried to over explain it and over yeah. everything it yeah yeah and they, they try to explain it off and then say well but this is why so the episode gets a little bit too convoluted so you have all the different versions of the story um and then in the end what it comes down to is uh obviously the prosecutor is saying the blast that started this came from where Riker was standing as he was transported and Riker's saying well that's not possible I didn't do this uh but there's like well we can't deny the science of it and in the end, they get this really convoluted explanation of how everything happens where Picard's like, you know, let me propose this is what happened. He goes back and he studies all the stories and the only consistent in all the people's stories other than the events of Riker arrived, you know, him and the wife were alone in a room together. Uh, the husband took it the wrong way and then the station blew up. The only other account was that these radiation, this energy source, this scientist uh, Apgar is trying to discover that uh, he's saying, I'm close, but I'm not there yet. And it's in all the different stories. And Picard's like, what if he actually was there already? And Riker finds out about this or or suspects, you know, you already uh, have discovered this. 
because um, he's basically saying, I, I've discovered this, or Picard's theory, I've discovered this, but I want Starfleet to give me more money to investigate this further, because he wasn't sure if it could be used with a weapon or anything. It's a very cool idea, but then the way it eventually gets spun around with Picard saying, yes, but I believe that Apgar knew that Riker was going to try to turn him in because he suspected that you know uh, it was uh, already discovered and that, that he wasn't still working on this, and that he channeled a blast from his own radiation waves towards Riker, but it got deflected off of the beams of the transporter and back onto himself. It's just so convoluted, uh, very hard to follow. I'm still not entirely sure what Picard's review eventually comes down to other than the fact that hmm. he accidentally killed himself. And then you have the extra complication of there's you know so much going on with... Uh, um, you know this radiation thing, and then um, we never get a resolution to the rape storyline either. No, it's very weird the way this episode ends because the investigator just says, "Okay, I accept your theory. He accidentally killed himself. You're free to go, Riker." Yeah, and then the reaction from the wife was like, "Huh," type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Which- and so then, like, what about like why isn't she mad that this guy? guy basically tried to take advantage of her well yeah because she's claiming this happened and again from troy's point of view it's like well she is telling the truth again that makes sense if they both saw things a certain way like well my husband's dead so it doesn't matter that you tried to rape me (laughs) this is this is going way off but people should check out there's a show called your bleeped up brain uh so it's actually titled your bleeped up brain and it's just different stories of scientists discussing you know, how does your brain actually work? When you look at a puzzle, how does it solve things? How does it see this and that? And one of the most interesting things on there is they did an experiment of taking a bunch of people on a tour through like the woods or something like that. And they had them walk past an area that was sort of taped off with like, you know, do not cross tape and a few people around there. And they show the footage of each one of these people walking past this same scene of just people standing around inside this, this taped off area. And within an hour later, they interviewed all these people and said, what did you see? And all of them saw some completely different... Some people said, I saw a guy draw a gun on the other person. And, uh, oh, I saw guys wearing, like, hazmat suits, and none of this was actually in it. These people weren't making up the story because they knew cameras were on them still. It's just, in their mind, they perceived something that didn't actually happen. So this is the way people can see things. But if she honestly did believe that he tried to rape her mm-hmm. why is she like okay great he didn't kill my husband he did try to rape me by the way and then yeah. Riker's like i did not yeah because at the end she's just like huh yeah i withdraw huh. it's just if you hadn't had troy saying well it's true from again throw something there's like there's a little bit of deception a few points but i can't tell which point she was being deceptive uh but that also begs the question they don't actually resolve in this episode what happened between Riker and the wife that's I'm kind of torn between thinking that's a bit of a problem where I wanted at least some type of even if it is well maybe we both interpreted things the wrong way but the stories were shown again her story seems completely out of character for Riker Riker's story seems completely out of character for Riker there is no way that a woman even if she is an alien is going to be hitting on him and he's going to be like get away yeah (laughs) it's just it didn't seem like him so yeah he's kind of a little bit of a man ho but, like, I'm just intrigued at this idea of the episode ending and that still being left up in the air. So you're left thinking more about this episode than you should have, even though I'm also slightly frustrated with 
you know, they didn't resolve this. So I'm, you're, you're the opposite. Like, how did you feel about not having that resolved? Because when we watch a movie or the, something like that, the same. you want everything spelled out for you. Yeah. You don't want any loose ends tied up. And I like loose ends that aren't tied up to make you think at the end of it. Like we watch Bird Box. We won't spoil I, anything, but Bird Box ends without, you know, all the answers you want. It has some, but not all the answers you want. And you're like, I actually didn't mind that it had that. That was the first time I ever heard that from you. Yeah. It's literally probably the first time that I think I can remember. So is this the second time then? No, I told you I'm bothered by it too. Well, like, but I'm bothered, but I'm also intrigued. Like, I, 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 think I have that, two opinions. I think that I'm bothered just because of the nature of what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like, like, if, like if he is a bit guilty, then why is he just getting off scot-free just because this husband accidentally killed himself? Well, and it's funny that the the duel they have at the end has nothing to do with you got inappropriate with my wife. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why I would lean towards, you know, this being drummed up because the account of the husband came from his assistant. He's like, he told his assistant, Picard's like, well, that's hearsay. Uh, but that came from him telling the assistant this because he was trying to cover his bases. He didn't want Riker to let out, you know, I think he's actually onto something here and he's just milking this for the money. Uh, so that makes sense. Yeah. But why the wife would tell that story, I still don't know. It's it's just, it's not a plot hole. It's just something that Especially they chose to Especially after he was answer. dead. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it just reminds me, the way that it was all explained in the end, it's like, uh, you know, the beam was channeled through the middle of the uh, instruments and it was aimed at Riker and it deflected off the transporter it's just, and Picard's like and we know this and we know that and there's a hilarious moment from Star Trek where Data's running down this big hypothesis and he goes knowing that he knows that we know that he knows and that's just kind of what I thought of here uh, there's really no Data in this episode at all is there? No not really we may have gotten more the, Wesley than we got Data the beginning when he was judging the paintings maybe in, and then literally at the end when they're telling him to chart a course but that's literally yeah. it yeah it's it, it's very contained with just Picard Riker Troy I think and then well I guess a bit of Geordi yeah and you the, get and a then few the lines yeah, yeah and you get a few lines from the others um anything else to really cover on this episode for the story before we get to everything else no okay uh, so, what I wanted to do before I give my overall opinion is just go through... Uh, this was sandwiched in between two of the great Star Trek episodes. Definitely the season and maybe two of the great Star Trek episodes of all time. Uh, the one that preceded this was called Deja Q. Uh, so, like, Deja View, but for Q, the character. You know Q, right? Yes. So, this was the one where Q came and said, I've been kicked out of the Q. I just want a job on your ship. And he's kind of just working on the ship. An amazing Q episode. And the one that followed this yesterday's Enterprise uh, is, I would say, if you were to poll every single person who's ever ranked Star Trek episodes or, or you know, given reviews, this would be the one that would be most frequently named the number one Star Trek episode of all time. Uh, so if there is a episode that is considered the greatest Star Trek episode of all time, it would be this one. Uh, and that's each side of this and this episode maybe that's one of the reasons this one kind of gets lost in the shuffle because you had a great episode leading into it and a great one leading out of it uh it also is kind of a small episode just going through some of the writers and uh the the filmmakers and everything um the director of this episode i'll go through that first uh if i can find it here uh who was the director cliff bowl said a matter of perspective was one of the toughest shows i've ever shot from the standpoint of keeping continuity and having to shoot something three separate ways 
Uh, it was a real challenge and I thought a very clever show. Keeping everybody aware was the big challenge in doing the show because many people started getting confused. The tougher they are, the better I like them. So he said, I liked how complex this episode was and how hard it was to translate. Michael Piller, who is one of the main Star Trek writers for, I guess, Next Generation On, and even wrote one of the movies, uh, said, probably the hardest story to break. It was a technical nightmare for the director. I was very, very happy with the script, and I thought the show was disappointing. I guess it didn't translate properly. It was very ambitious, but the casting was off. If you had Lana Turner in the role of the woman in that show, you would have understood it all, but I don't think it played as it intended. That's about the best murder mystery I've been involved in developing my career because every detail falls in place. Every line comes together to explain how, what, when, and where it really worked from a mystery standpoint. It's so complicated a mystery. In fact, it's like the big sleep in space. It's very complicated, yet if you take that script apart, nothing falls out of it. That's completely true. I think the script is great. The story is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then he says, I've been involved in a lot of crime caper shows, but this was a very proud script turned out. I just didn't think it was great television. To elaborate on that, Ira Stephen Bear, who would become one of the main people involved in Deep Space Nine following this, uh, he said he named it the worst episode of the third season, uh, he called the episode a disaster, and he said it was arguably even his least favorite of all the Star Trek episodes he ever worked on. So kind of mixed reviews from the crew, and I think I'd fall in the middle. Um, I'm kind of torn on what I'm going to do. What are you going to do? Are you going to buy it, rent it, or bid it? Mm, I wish there was um, an option between rent it and bin it, because, like, again, if it was on TV, I'd probably have it playing on the background, but I'm not going to be like, oh, I need to watch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Except that you didn't answer if you're going to buy rent or bin. <laughs> I can't answer it. Sorry. You're going to answer something. I'm, I'm going to leave it on. A, you're going to pick one. I'm going to leave it unanswered, just like these. This episode's unanswered. Oh no, no, no! You got to give something because we got to we got to come up with a tally here. Okay, I'm just going to give my answer. I always give you for everything. I'm going to rent it. Okay, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Except for the really bad things you buy, like Red Sparrow, which I'll remind you of till the day. I you like die. that one. But I'm. I'm going to give this a very low rented. I'm almost tempted to give it a high bin it. Uh, because I think like this episode, there's definitely something that's off about it. There's something that's very flat in how it's delivered. But there's something so interesting there that I could imagine a better episode coming out of this story. Mm-hmm. And I still don't know exactly what it was. But I think a bin-worthy Star Trek episode is something where you're like, if that's on TV, I'm not going to watch it again. I'd almost be intrigued to watch this one again just to see if my opinion changed, if I pick up on things differently, or if I even view it worse. But for now, I'd give it a low rent. Uh, No knock against Next Generation, though, because, again, a low rent for this, I'm still like, "Eh, let's check it out again, you know? Yeah. Great drop in as always, Jamie. No, I just need uh, to stand up because my back hurts. Okay, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm pregnant. So, moving on, we're into Deep Space Nine. Uh, Deep Space Nine debuted, I think, around season five of Star Trek: Next Generation, or season six. Um, but we're going to be jumping ahead a little bit now. We've already done the random draw for this. We have to do it in advance because, um, well, obviously, we're rushed to get these done before next week, but also. Uh, I'm going to be leaving town uh, later this week, and you're pregnant and tired, and that prohibits you from doing anything. Uh, (laughs) I cleaned our house. We needed to watch this one, or at least start watching it in advance. We didn't, by the time we recorded this episode, we have not finished this episode, but we at least started it. Uh, But our random draw that we came up with, I'm really glad that it did come out as this episode, uh, is season five, episode 22 of Deep Space Nine, called Children of Time. 
And again, we're maybe 10 minutes into this episode and it's just the basic premise of this for anybody who has seen or hasn't uh, is that the, the Defiant is on its way back to Deep Space Nine and they, I guess, fall into some planet or some orbit of a planet only to land on the planet and realize they're talking to their own descendants somehow. So this is a planet inhabited by their own descendants a couple hundred years in the future or who knows what it is. We haven't finished it yet. But this isn't an episode I've ever seen because Deep Space Nine... As much as I love the show, I've never sat down and watched it start to finish. There are odd episodes in each season that I've never seen. Uh, this one looks really interesting, and from what I've seen, it was really interesting. Uh, we're going to have that episode up by tomorrow because we absolutely have to record it. We don't have an option. Uh, so if you're listening to this now, whenever you're listening to it, if you're listening to it right away, within 24 hours, we're going to be here to talk about Deep Space Nine, Season 5, Episode 22, Children of Time. Uh, and if it's past the time when this episode goes up, you can probably already listen to Deep Space Nine. And then come next week, we're going to be on to Voyager uh, and Enterprise on the same day. So by, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, some combination of those will release back-to-back episodes, one Voyager, and then the next day we'll do Enterprise. And then by next weekend, we're going to be on to Star Trek Discovery, season two premiere, uh, which will probably be one of only three episodes we'll be able to cover this season, but still it's something. So uh, this was fun. I love Next Generation. Um, I love Picard. Uh, I love Riker, even if he did or did not rape her. Uh, uh, it's still a fun episode, even if it was a almost been worthy episode. Uh, anything else you want to add other than destroying the equipment, Jamie? Sorry, I just needed some lip chap. I'm so so high maintenance. Um, I always like recording with you. You know that. Yeah, even though you walk away for five minutes at a time and just leave me to talk. Yeah, but you know how to time it, so then I come back right away so nobody notices. But now yeah, everybody well, notices because I said something. I stall until <laughs> you come back. So the show was great. <laughs> um, no. Deep Space Nine, just before we go next week, uh, not even this episode, but this is probably the series you're least familiar with, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's kind of hard because my memory is so bad and... I mean, with with my mom, I remember obviously uh, Next Generation, and then there was the one with the old lady who was a Voyager. Voyager. She's not an old lady, <laughs> but again, that was probably like when I saw Picard. I'm like, it's the old man. You're like, it's the old lady. Yeah, I think I think the one with the <laughs> I think the one with the black captain. I'm probably the least. That's familiar Deep Space with. Nine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but good on you for calling him the black captain. You know what? He's I, actually not even a captain. He's a commander. I I just always refer to people by the first thing that like I see and I don't mean like the first thing I see is color like I'm racist <laughs> just sometimes age like old right but like if somebody is like really pale white like how Paige is in like WWE I'll be like yeah like the pale person right there the, yeah. the white ghost person you will often refer to the oh like the fat guy I'm like why yeah. do you have to call him the fat guy yeah oh the really ugly one yeah yeah O'Brien right <laughs> yeah the one with the big mole on their face and, and we get O'Brien in the next episode which is cool and we also get Worf who uh, actually comes into Deep Space Nine after Next Generation goes off the air but that'll be tomorrow and then Voyager with the old lady next week and then Scott Bakula Enterprise uh, a show I'm a big defender of that'll be the last one we do before Discovery which I'm not terribly excited about Thank you, Jamie. Um, that will be it. <laughs> I, I subscribe like to us on uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, something like that. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram. My name is Colin, and I'm ready to leave now. 
My name is Jamie, and I'm sorry, Colin, because I was trying to be polite, which is very unlike myself. I did not. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.